I want to read to you our scripture is from Luke chapter 19. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. And at the end, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And we'll say, thanks be to God. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to sing through a chorus of a song that's called Open, Open Our Eyes. Uh, we're journeying into a season now, if you'll join us, as we head towards Easter. It's a season called Lent, uh, where we're preparing our hearts for the resurrection. And the way that we're going to do that here at Providence is week after week say, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Some of you have heard that there is a revival movement going across our land. It's a pivotal point in um, our time, this age, and in our nation. And as we said last week, if there's a revival in America, we want to be in it. And we sense and see that happening in this place. But we want to take a humble posture before God, which is just to say, we want to see you. So let's sing together. So in the story that we just read from Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus uh, desperately wants to see Jesus. He has a longing to see Jesus, but he has a limitation. He has a, a sight limitation because he is short. And so Zacchaeus is known for all these centuries for being a short man. But really, the reason that we know about him is because he wanted to see Jesus. But we can assume that since Zacchaeus was a short adult, he was probably a short little boy at some time as well. And probably his whole life, he was trying to find ways to overcome this limitation, at least a limitation in seeing things in a crowd. And so Zacchaeus had probably learned that when things were happening in his city, when people were gathering, he was not going to be able to see because he was below those sight lines. And so he figured out ways to overcome his limitations. 
Uh, in life, when we have limitations, we see people who learn how to be overcomers, people who find a way, who run ahead of the crowd, and in Zacchaeus' case, literally rise above the crowd by climbing up in a sycamore fig tree. I was eight years old when I was found out that I had a sight limitation. I knew that I'd had it for some time, uh, but I had figured out ways to get around it, figured out where to sit in the classroom so I could see the board. I would do this one eye closed thing that, that finally got the attention of my parents. And I remember on a Sunday afternoon, actually after church, they set me up in the kitchen and they took an advertisement out of the Sunday paper, which kids, there was papers that came to our homes, had all this information in it. And we looked forward to it. And they took out this advertisement. My dad stood on the other side of the kitchen and they asked me to read the words and I couldn't read the words. And so they took me to Dr. James T. McCord, who at the time was the only optometrist in Mount Juliet in what I thought was the oldest building in Mount Juliet down by the railroad tracks. This is before the Christmas place and Dunkin' Donuts. It was just Dr. James T. McCord and the funeral home. And when I got out of the car, I wasn't even sure which one we were going into. We went in and he took me back into this dark room in the back and I had to read letters. And that's the first time somebody told me that I had a sight limitation. He said that I was near sighted, which means I could see things close up, but I couldn't see things far away. And back then in the mid 1980s, there were two pairs of glasses that they offered to kids in the Mount Juliet optometrist shop. One of them had Mickey Mouse ears on the side here. And the other was this very dark brown plastic large pair of glasses. If I wore the Mickey Mouse ears in the Gladeville Elementary, my social career would have been over. And so I chose the dark brown plastic pair. I have a picture of what I looked like. Uh, okay, let's take that down now. You've seen enough. I got on the bus after wearing those glasses my first morning at school. I knew that I was doomed, but it turned out that I was. It was the first time anyone had ever called me four eyes and all kinds of other, you know, creative names that kids from Gladeville came up for a guy that looked like that. I walked into my school dejected. I sat down at my desk and I could feel my teacher, Miss Lowe, leave her desk before class started and make a beeline to me. She walked straight to me, and most of you guys have heard me say that Miss Lowe said right into my ear, cool glasses. Most of you probably also know that Miss Lowe is a liar. (laughs) But the reason that I tell this story over and over, I had to ask myself this, why do I tell this story over and over? One, those glasses changed the way I could see. Number two, those glasses changed the way I looked. And number three, the main reason I tell it is Miss Lowe changed the way I looked at myself. And, and so I'm not sure why I did that day, but I chose to believe, to push all my chips into the middle of the table, that what Miss Lowe was saying about me was the truth and what the guy on the bus said was not. Now, I'm not sure why I chose that, probably because of her authority and my trust in her and the love that I felt coming from her. And in the Zacchaeus story, this sycamore fig tree, which becomes famous, is notable because it changes Zacchaeus' ability to see. It changes the way that people look at him, a grown man hanging from a limb in a tree, but mostly because Jesus changes the way that he looks at himself. And Zacchaeus that day pushes all his chips to the middle of the table, which is what some of you are considering doing right now with Jesus. And he, and he says, I'm going to believe that what he says about me is true, and I'm going to let everything else fall away. And that moment happened all because Zacchaeus 
wanted to see Jesus. He was a notable scoundrel, somebody that people thought low of. They didn't didn't even want him in their town. But he decided that he wanted to see Jesus. If Jesus was coming through, he was going to do whatever it took. And I know that there are people here today and worshiping with us online who want to see him. You feel a desire in you, a longing in you. You don't even know where it's coming from, but it's changing your behavior. It's causing you to fill up this room and from what I've heard, make quite a mess of the parking lot right now. (laughs) Why? Why? Because we have a desire that is in us to see him, to glimpse him. I also know that most of you are quite familiar with your limitations, that I probably don't need to recite them for you or point them out to you. For some of you, they're as familiar to you as something that happened to you in the third grade and they've been with you a long, long time. But I also know that in this room are a bunch of overcomers. I know the stories and I know that you've figured out ways to rise up and keep going and get higher. But I also know that overcomers get tired. And that when you have to pull yourself up over and over, when you have to find the next tree to climb, when you have to get around the crowd, when you have to deal with all the voices, that over time you can become quite fatigued. And that's why we're going to look at this beautiful story where one person who everybody else thought was undeserving of the love of God, undeserving of taking a glimpse at Jesus, he did something dramatic to get to a place where he could see him, and that changed his life. And I would propose to you today, I'm seeing it happen in real time, that if you are willing to run ahead of the crowd, maybe even do something foolish like climb up in a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus, it could change everything for you. And it won't necessarily be because of your action to get to the top of the tree, but because of what Jesus will do when he meets you in that moment. So I want to read to you again some of those verses of Zacchaeus' story so we can get a deeper understanding. Because uh, our heart's prayer for this next season at our church and in our community is that simply we would say, I want to see Jesus. And what would happen if we all have that same compulsion and that same uh, recklessness to get to a place where we could see him? So here's verse 1 again. Luke 19 verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus did not live in Jericho. Jesus didn't go to Jericho very much. It was nowhere near the Sea of Galilee where he did most of his ministry. It was nowhere near Nazareth where he grew up. It actually wasn't even that close to Jerusalem. And it's a dangerous trek by foot through a wilderness and through a desert to get to the place in Jericho. But he did pass through. The reason I think that's significant for us is because as we've been talking about just the last week or so, we sense Jesus is passing through our land. There might be evidence to say, man, there's not a lot of good things going on there, but we know that Jesus is coming through. And so what will we do when Jesus passes through where we live? Verse 2 says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. The name Zacchaeus in Hebrew means pure or innocent. But Zacchaeus, we find out, is anything but. He's a chief tax collector, which means as a Jew, he had put himself on the side of and aligned with the empire that his people were being oppressed by. He's someone that found privilege, and yet his countrymen and women, his brothers and sisters, were not. It did not lead him to be looked upon highly. He was a tax collector, which in those days, he would take the appropriated amount from the people in their taxes, but he would also put an upcharge on it, an interest, a tax on top of the tax so that he could get wealthy. And that's how Zacchaeus lived his life. Sure, not everybody liked him, but he was doing okay. He was wealthy. 
However, in verse 3, it says that he wanted to see who Jesus was. He had heard, like many of the other Hebrew people, the Jews in that land, that this Jesus was special, that he was different, that he was working miracles, that he was changing people's lives, and he was getting the attention of not just individuals, but crowds. And when Jesus came into Jericho, there was going to be a big crowd gathering around him. And so Zacchaeus knew that he was short, and so he could not see over the crowd. So maybe like you, maybe like me, he knew of his longing to see Jesus, but he also knew of his limitations what was keeping him from seeing Jesus. Verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. He simply found a tree in the city so that he could get up a little bit higher. Jericho is a really interesting place in the world still today. It's noted for something. It's noted as being the place that people have lived in for the longest continuous time. So there are more... uh, historic cities or ancient cities than Jericho. But there's nowhere in the world that people have lived so long and still live there today. People have lived in in Jericho and still live there today for the last 10,000 years. It's a very historically significant place in the world. However, it's found in the middle of a desert. It's in the Dead Sea Basin at 850 feet below sea level. But the reason Jericho is there is because a spring, a large spring, has fed Jericho for uh, forever. And it is an oasis in the desert. Still today, if you go there, you will be driving through the desert and you would suddenly see all this greenery. And so that's why people have always lived in Jericho. And there's many significant uh, biblical accounts that happen in this city. And so Jesus shows up uh, close to the Jordan River where maybe he was going to see John the Baptist or another one of those baptisms. But he stops in Jericho. He's passing through. And in that city, there are trees. And actually, today in Jericho, there are trees that have been in Jericho for over 2,000 years, which means that there are trees that were there when Zacchaeus and Jesus were there. And there's one tree on the corner of a street that they've been saying is the tree that Zacchaeus climbed all that long ago. I took a picture of it when I was there a few years ago. Now, whether or not that's the exact tree, that would be very difficult to verify. But what I'm saying is sometime early on, they said this is the spot where Zacchaeus climbed the tree and the people there kept saying it over and over. And I thought it was cool to see it because if you're a kid who climbed trees and you picture that tree maybe 2,000 years ago, you would think this is a perfect tree to climb up. And if Zacchaeus was a short kid who learned how to climb trees to get high up, he probably knew about that tree and knew about the way that, uh, that Jesus was journeying and he went to the top of it. And it says, when Jesus reached the spot, this is the next verse. And I love that line, when Jesus reached the spot. Because you know what the thing is about spots? You know what happens in spots? Things happen in spots. That's, that's the deal. It's like this is the spot where it happened. And so they knew the spot. It wasn't the spot when, the, when he first went to the spot, right? It became the spot after the spot became the spot. <laughs> after that event happened, they began to say that this is the spot. And he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Did anybody sing that song when they were a kid? You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I'm not going to sing it. I started singing it at the first service, and this guy just started singing it really loud. And uh, I'm going to not recreate that uh, right now. But we sang this song because it's a cool little story, right? And at the end of the story, uh, at the end of the little song, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down I'm coming to your house today. It's just a crazy moment where this great teacher who has this throng of people following him, there's people everywhere. 
There's people hanging out of trees. And Jesus notices him. It becomes a spot because he says, I'm coming to your house today. The reason that's significant is Zacchaeus moves from being somebody, maybe like a lot of us, who just thought I'd like to get a glimpse of Jesus, to someone that opened up his front door, began to set the table in haste, and set a meal for Jesus to sit with him. (laughs) Really crazy moment. All because Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. And you probably know that when somebody says they're coming to your house, or you know someone's coming, you have to do what? Clean up your mess. Right? And so Jesus... Coming to Zacchaeus' house is not a way for Zacchaeus to stay the same Zacchaeus. He can never be the same again because he has to clean up his mess. And Zacchaeus had made a big mess of his life, of his family, of Jericho. He'd been a cheat. He was a scoundrel. But because Jesus didn't just say, hey, Zacchaeus, good to see you up in the tree. Because he said, I'm coming to your house today, his whole life changed. The next verse says, that Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love this because Zacchaeus could have been comfortable in the tree, right? The tree had been something he'd probably done for a long time to get himself to a place where he could see. And so that was his way of overcoming his limitations. So think about some of the ways that you overcome your limitations. You would not readily want to give them up, you know, if somebody asked. If Jesus came to me and said, hey, Jacob, take off those glasses, I would say, wait just a second. I've been wearing these 34 years. Miss Lowe said they were cool, right? I would feel very uncomfortable to take my glasses off in front of you. I don't even think my kids have seen me with my glasses off, you know. But they've been something that have helped me overcome a limitation. And what Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus is, I'm going to even pull you away from those things that you have learned can help you overcome because I'm about to work a power in you that will actually save you and change you. It says the townspeople got a little upset when all this was happening. Look at the next verse. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus was, you know, the noted scoundrel of their town. And so I want to invite you to do something. I don't want you to say anything out loud. So that's a first, uh, first warning, okay? But I, <laughs> I want you to think about who in your town is a scoundrel. Everybody here, you know, we live in a few different towns, probably represented here online. There's people all over the nation. So... I just want you to think about, when you think about your city, is there one person you're like, I really wish they didn't live here? Don't say it out loud. (laughs) Every town has that. Some people are like, man, I wish that person wasn't around. They don't represent us well. Well, that's who Zacchaeus was. So imagine if Jesus came to our town today, to wherever you live, what if the first person that he went into their house and ate with was the one person you wish didn't live there. I'll tell you what I would do. I would mutter. <laughs> I can't believe that Jesus has gone to the house of a sinner. Jesus, of course, was not just teaching Zacchaeus in this moment. He was teaching all of Jericho and us here still today. Well, here's what Zacchaeus did. It says, he stood up and said to the Lord, Imagine the, the dichotomy that Zacchaeus is in. He wanted to see Jesus. Now Jesus wants to go to his house, and now everybody's frustrated about it. And he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, any, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you know who says if I've cheated anybody out of anything? Cheaters, right? 
And so Zacchaeus is now experiencing a transformation, not just of his heart and his sight, but of his actions and the way he's going to live. He's realizing that, his, that you can't eat with Jesus and be the same on the other side of it. You, you can't live the way that you lived before. You probably could if you just went up on top of a tree and looked at him. But if he comes and sits at your table, you're like, I got to live my whole life differently. And that's what Zacchaeus is summing up in this grand, dramatic moment that he probably can't pull off, right? He says, I'm going to give half of everything away to the poor. And if, if I've cheated you, you know, it's like he's saying to the, to the neighbors, if I've cheated you, I will pay back four times the amount. It's this um, crazy moment where Jesus is pulling Zacchaeus into a whole new life. And that's what he's doing. I mean, I feel like Jesus is passing through our town, passing through our city. And we want to see him. We want to see him. We fill up the room, right? We want to know. But he's calling us to say, I want to come to your table. I want to clean up your life. I want to change you. I want to transform you. There's a big difference between catching a glimpse of somebody seeing somebody from a distance and them coming and eat at your house. I was trying to think of like what the equivalent would be. This is like a made up thing, but I was thinking, you know, uh, somebody that I would really, my favorite uh, music artist was Tom Petty. You know, I love Tom Petty and Rachel and I, we, uh, when we first started dating, uh, we would listen to Tom Petty all the time. So we would go to Tom Petty concerts. We went to Tom Petty's 40th anniversary concert, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Y'all with me? Okay. So we went to Bridgestone Arena. This is several years ago. And we were so happy to be there, but we were sitting in the nosebleeds, right? Section 319, way up there. And so I was trying to think, that was a really cool moment. Like, we still talk about it. She and I, I don't tell a lot of people about it. It's not a big deal. We went to a concert. But just imagine if, like, at the encore during American Girl, Tom Petty had said, hey, hold on, quiet down, band. Jacob Armstrong, Section 319, I'm coming to your house today. <laughs> that would have been a game changer. I kind of imagined it a little bit this week. I walked through it, you know. We get Tom in the Honda Odyssey, you know, in the parking garage. <laughs> like, hey, Tom, no smoking in here, bro. <laughs> you know, and uh, we're heading back to Gladeville. I mean, if that had happened, I would tell that story more than the cool glasses story. I would tell it all the time. But it didn't happen. I just sat way far away. It was a great moment. It was cool to see him, to be in his presence. But Jesus, when he sees, did I just make the equivalent of Tom Petty and Jesus? I don't think so. It's, it's just a story. Jesus called Zacchaeus, and he didn't say, I'm proud of you for running ahead and climbing the tree. He didn't say, you know, high five, I did come through Jericho. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. And then this is what Jesus said in Zacchaeus' house. He said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus gives his mission statement to Zacchaeus. Who is Jesus? He's the one who came to seek and to save the lost. Who is Jesus? Don't mistake it. Don't get confused. No matter what you see going on in the world, no matter what you see going on in the church, no matter what you see going on with religious people, Jesus came to seek out and save lost people. Don't mistake it. Even if I get it wrong, don't mistake who Jesus is. He's someone who came to seek out and save lost people. He cared about people with limitations. He cared deeply about scoundrels. He didn't care about what the city said when he encountered them. 
He brought them. Uh, he invited himself to their table. And so Zacchaeus' action of opening the door and setting the table and getting his food there and sitting down with Jesus, it changes our understanding of who he is. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so if you are very aware of your limitations and the things that are keeping you away, I want you to know that Jesus can overcome any of those things. He can change the way that you look at yourself. He's the one who can do it. And so what we're going to do here at Providence, I hope that you can join for the next several weeks as we go towards Easter, is we're just going to look at people who wanted to see Jesus, and we're going to look at what Jesus did in their midst. And I believe that it will be a way that we can be in step with the revival and the movement of God in this land. We're going to pray that we could see Jesus. So I want us to sing that chorus again uh, just a couple of times through. This will be our prayer. A bunch of people in a room, a bunch of people online, our prayer of wanting to join the movement of God as he passes through our land.